want to share a message with you today called Three Keys to Living in the Kingdom of God. Three keys to living in the kingdom of God. I have a set of keys on my hutch that I didn't bring out with me, but it's a beautiful uh, ring with these old, I may remember uh, skeleton keys. Remember them back in the day? Beautiful gold ring someone gave me. They blessed me as a gift. I have that on the hutch in in my uh, office. But anyway, if you have your Bibles, uh, you you can turn to Romans 14. We're going to look at verse 17, one verse. I'd like to start with something funny. I heard about this lady who was shopping with her husband. And uh, he was really nervous about her spending habits. And she just had a, a problem with Amazon. Uh, you know anybody like that? Just look this way, nobody know I'm talking about you. It's called retail therapy, right? <laughs> Some people are a little crazy, right? And then now it's easier never just hit that button and boom, it's at your door the next day, right? Like why bother even going out? And, um, but he was nervous because he said, "Hun, you've got to stop this madness. And she, she said, I know, I know, I'm sorry, I promise I won't spend it. He said, we're the only couple on the block with a two-car garage and a loading dock. You've got to stop. You've got to stop this in the balcony. She's, so, so anyway, he said, please, we're just going out window shopping tonight. I know it's Christmas, but please don't, don't buy anything else for yourself. And she promised. And then, you know, then he was, you know, she was in getting gifts for kids and all that stuff. But then she saw this beautiful dress. That she, it, just, it just got her attention. It was, it was captivating. And, you know, she said, man, I might, and she looked out. She saw her husband was kind of nodding off in the middle of the mall. How many know some guys just kind of do that? And he's out there snoring. So, so she thought, he's not going to know. So she quick got it and, you know, wrapped it up and had everything, you know, threw it in the bag with everything else. And uh, a couple days later, he saw it hanging in the closet. Somehow he found out about it. And he saw, they always do. Isn't that the truth? They always do. And he said to her, he was very upset. He said, why did you do, why did you not do what I told you not to do? She said, well, I just, I couldn't, get, I couldn't help. Uh, I, it was tempting. There was temptation involved there. How many know the enemy tempts us with things sometimes, right? Okay, we'll blame it on the devil. Okay, sure, sure. And uh, he said, why didn't you do what the scripture said and just say, get behind me, Satan? She said, actually, I did that. And he said, you even look better from a distance. <laughs> Praise God. I want to... Some of you will get that later. Okay, sorry, sorry. You'll get that later. You'll get it later. Amen. There, I got you to wake up. Romans 14, 17, if you got to put it on the screen. Three keys to living in the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word, for it is spirit and it is life. And I pray in the few moments we have left together on this Sunday morning, this celebratory day when we baptized over 20 people in water, God, and heard the testimonies of changed lives. Once we've been born again and now living in the kingdom, God, what should that look like in our lives, God? I pray that you would illuminate the word of God into our spirit and to our heart and help us to leave here differently, differently than what we came. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. So it's lined out pretty simple right there in Scripture, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can you say Amen. So here's the first word. What should it look like? The first key is righteousness. 
Righteousness. What does righteousness mean? What is that? We say that, you know, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. We quote the scriptures. But what does righteousness actually mean? If we're born again, righteousness very simply means this. Here it is. It's the most simple definition there is. It means to be in right standing with God. That's what it means. It means to be in right position or in right standing with God. Can you say amen? Amen. Say, oh, man, they're so righteous. They're, it's not, it has nothing to do with how good you are. It has everything to do with how good God is. Can you say amen, somebody? Amen. Righteousness. It's not based on what you've done, but what Christ has done. Uh, because, listen, let me say it like this. Your good deeds did not save you, and they're not going to help you in the future. It has nothing to do. All, that's why the Bible says all of our own righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. So it's not about me trying to be so good. It's not about me trying to be so, so uh, holy and, and so perfect and so religious. But it's about what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Can you say amen? amen. Tetelestai, it is finished. What does that mean? It means it's paid for in full. Can you say amen? amen. And so, you know, Paul puts this very clearly in this. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he became sin. Who knew no sin. He became sin. God knew. Listen. God the Father knew. That he had to send his son as a sacrifice. The greatest gift is not the gift under your tree. Or the gift that you'll give somebody else. The greatest gift is what Christ has done for you. Can you say amen? Amen. And we sang it a few minutes ago. Forgiveness. Like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's forgiveness. Isn't it a good thing to know you've been forgiven? Everything you've ever done, every, every person you've ever done it with, whatever it is, it's under the blood. Can you say praise God? Yeah. Righteousness, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we can eat and what we drink, but it's righteousness in right standing with God. Those people that you said, maybe you're here today and you said, you know, I know that person was in that tank. Let me tell you something. I know they're not, you know, they're not all that holy. Let me tell you something. I know about their past. That's the whole thing. That's where you made the mistake. You're focusing on their past instead of their present and their future. Can you say, praise God? Jesus said, behold, all things. I make all things brand new. If you believe that, why don't you clap your hands and let God know that you mean business with this right standing with Jesus. Right standing with Jesus. I'm in right standing, not because I'm, I'm Catholic, Baptist, or Buddhist, but it's what Jesus has done for me. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? The gift. And how do I receive that gift? By faith. That's why the Bible says that you're saved, listen, by grace, through faith. Thank you. Through faith, not of works. In other words, I couldn't earn it. I couldn't be so holy and so perfect and so parochial. I couldn't get a, an A-plus on my religion paper that somehow God at the end is going to wink at me and say, well, you know, I guess you're, you're okay. I think we'll let you slide. You know, how many, it's like people say, I'm going to make it to heaven by the skin of my teeth. It's like, what? Where is that in the Bible? Headline news, it's not in your Bible. It may sound good. It may make somebody feel temporarily some kind of uh, relief or something. But listen. You're saved by the grace of God, Amen. by His grace, not of your works. Amen. It's hard. I understand. It's a hard message in the area we live. 
where people believe it's like a performance-based thing, that somehow I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to perform, I've got to make sure that I don't do this and make sure I don't ever uh, you know, commit any sin and make sure I go to confession. And what do they tell you when you go to confession? Say three Hail Marys and two Our Fathers and you'll be fine. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you ever saw the movie The Bronx Tale years ago, I don't watch those kind of movies, but someone told me about it. And De Niro plays that. It's actually about his own personal life. And he said when he was a kid, he realized he could do all kinds of things wrong. And then he could go to confession like once a week and he got a brand new slate for the next seven days. Did you see that little clip? Let me tell you something. That is so far from this Bible, it's not even funny. We're saved by the grace of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his what? His only son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Not by whosoever is Catholic, Baptist, or Assemblies of God. Now you should go to church. The Bible has a lot to say about people going to church. But when Paul said he became sin, who knew no sin? That's probably the most concise statement in all of, in all of, the, of the Word of God regarding our righteousness, our right standing with God. So the kingdom of God is righteousness. The second uh, key is that it's, it's also not only righteousness, but it's peace. How many of you like to have peace? How many of you like to have peace and quiet? Praise God. My son was preaching the early service, and he made this funny comment about me, so I think that I'll get him back in this service. <laughs> Praise God. He said, I, he said, you know, we got... My dad, now they have six grandkids, twins, and number seven's on the way. How many know it's God's favorite number? Amen? Amen. And he said the kids get so loud at like Thanksgiving time. They were running around the house and shouting and carrying on, you know, all kinds of stuff. And he said, you know, everybody's, you know, wired up on sugar and Mountain Dew or whatever. And he said, then I have this picture of my father. He's got the recliner back with an ice pack on his head. And I wanted to tell him, wherever he might be, that that's a prophetic picture for his life, too. Uh, peace. Jesus, the Bible said, is the what? The Prince of Peace. Say Prince of Peace. Oh, yes, he's the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6. It's, we use it at Christmas time, but let me tell you, this is... There's never a bad time to read this verse. Listen to this. For a child, Isaiah 9, 6. If you have it, put it up on the screen. Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born to us. You realize there's hundreds of prophecies about the birth of the Christ child hundreds of years before he ever was born of a virgin. You understand that, right? All these pinpoint, with perfect pinpoint accuracy, prophecies. Listen to this. For a child will be born to us. This is Isaiah. This is like 700 years before Christ's birth. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest upon his shoulders. Say, wait a minute, how can a government rest upon the shoulders of an infant baby? That doesn't make any sense to me. But that's exactly what God does. How many know that God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise? It's always the opposite with God. They were looking for a majestic, mighty king to come riding in on a white charger. And God said, I give you my son as a babe 
laid in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothing. And the government will rest upon his shoulders. And his name, listen, will be called Wonderful Counselor. Aren't you thankful that he's a wonderful counselor? Amen. Amen. That he hears, the Bible said, and he answers our prayers. That we can come to him in humility and grace and ask God for wisdom. And he's promised in his word that if we ask for wisdom, he'll give us wisdom liberally. How many of you need wisdom in an area of your life? The rest of you, you got it all figured out. We'll have an altar call for you in just a few minutes. So righteousness and yet peace, wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. And we try to find peace in every other area of our life. And some of us are even here today and we're troubled in our spirit because there's some things going on in our life. I just want to say this. People are not the answer to your peace. Politicians are not the answer to your peace. Some of us are very disappointed at the way the election seems to be going, whatever it is. But listen, could it be that we've put our hope too much in man and not God? Could it be? I'm just asking that question. If our hope is in God, then we really should not be worrying at all. Worry is the opposite of peace. God says, this peace I give you. Listen, the world didn't give us the peace and the world can't take it away. Can you say amen? Amen. All the trouble in the world, the whole COVID-19 and everything, everybody, including myself, I should say especially myself, tired of hearing about. Amen? Amen. I'm going to put a post on with a mask on my ear because I'm sick of hearing about it. Is that okay? Yeah, and and you are too. Let's just be honest. The protests, the the political instability, all the stuff. Is this election? On and on and on and on. Let me tell you what that does. It robs you of the peace that God gave you. And if we're not careful, we start to give away our peace because people get on our nerves. And the problem is, listen, you're trying to find peace in everything and everybody. And for, if you're a perfectionist, it's, it gets really bad because perfectionists, how many know we've, we can't, we're not even happy with our own selves, never mind anybody else. You know anybody like that? Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so the problem that we're facing now, it's a spiritual problem at its root. It's a spiritual problem. And we, we believe that God will bring an end to the virus. But listen, it's deeper than the virus. There are people every day who are dying and going to a devil's hell. And we have churches that are closed because they're, listen, I would rather die preaching this book, preaching the gospel. I would rather go down on record as someone who did not lock the doors and said, you know what? People need hope. People need hope. People need righteousness, right standing with God, and they need the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Amen. That's what Paul said, Philippians 4, 7. He said, the peace of God that passeth all understanding will flood our innermost being. Have you ever been there before? Aren't you thankful for the peace of God that comes? I felt it before when we were just singing. Last, last Sunday, it was so thick in here that when I went up to preach, they were just worshiping and they were singing... Uh, your presence is heaven to me. Yes. Remember? Oh God, your presence 
is heaven to me. Oh, we're singing, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, your presence is heaven to me. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, your presence is heaven to me. Listen, when I walked up to transition into the service, when I went to transition into the preaching of the word, I, I, I was right on the cusp. I thought we might just keep worshiping Jesus today. Can you say praise God? Let me tell you something, folks. That's the antidote for all the worry in the world out there. Think about it. Your presence. The Bible said there is fullness. And here's the last point of what? Joy. In his presence. Not with presents that we give each other and receive. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not what brings us joy. It brings some happiness. How many know happiness is temporary? Happiness is fleeting. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. We're happy about the new car that we just bought. Praise God. I got a brand new car. Somebody said, I got a brand new car. I'm so happy. And then 30 days later, when they get that little coupon book, <laughs> plus interest, how many know the novelty wears off? It doesn't take that long, my, uh, my dear brothers and sisters. Think about this. But peace is settled deep within. In his presence, there is fullness of Joy. That's why we need the presence of the Lord each and every day. How does that come? Through worship. Through being thankful. Not just at Thanksgiving time. But how many know being thankful is actually a spiritual discipline? Yeah, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for He is good. His mercies endure forever. Listen to this about joy. The words joy and rejoice are in Scripture, in the Hebrew and Greek, when they translate into English. It's actually found, listen to this, over 400 times in your Bible that God wants you to be joyful. Say, so, yeah, but you know, this, this, this is happening. There's a, there's a pandemic. Let me tell you something. It's a matter of your focus. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You cannot worship and worry at the same time. Do you know the Bible is filled with examples of people that were in way worse circumstances than we're in, and your worst day would be trivial in comparison to what they've gone through. And they wrote, like the great Apostle Paul, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, why did, why did he say that? Why did Paul say rejoice in the Lord always? Because he knew if a person is thankful, they'll be joyful. Are you thankful today? Are you grateful today? Because it makes you more like Jesus. It helps to keep us in right standing with God. It, peace and joy are synonyms. They're synonymous in terms. In other words, they go together. Amen? Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Amen? Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So if you want to be peaceful and a person of joy, keep your focus on Jesus. And you can lift your hands throughout the week and sing those same songs that we were just singing before. The forgiveness, all that. But be grateful to God 
for where you are. Listen, the fact that you live in this country, you're like a millionaire compared to any, anywhere else in the world. How many understand this? Come on, somebody. Come on. That should never get old to us. Should never get old. We live in the most blessed country on the face of the earth. Amen? And so joy is something that's settled deep within. Have you lost your joy? Have you lost your happiness? Some people, they say, like, like George Burns, you know the quote about happiness? He said this, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family that lives in another city. <laughs> Sorry. Proverbs 17, 22. Let, let me ask you, when's the last time you laughed besides like three seconds ago? You know, how many know laughter is good for the soul? Amen? The joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8, is our strength. Oh, I wish I had time just to, to exegete that passage alone. Do you understand what Nehemiah's people had gone through when he said that? Do you understand that he built a huge platform? He, he was one that was returned from Babylonian captivity to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And that, that whole generation he was speaking to, they had no earthly idea about the scriptures, because back then they just had the first five books of the law, the Pentateuch, the, the, the law of Moses, okay? And he built this platform, kind of like a platform like this, and all he did was pull out the scrolls, and he read to them. And he read the scriptures, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those five books, those first five books. And the Bible said that the people, they were basically like illiterate to this because they didn't have the scriptures like you and I do. How many know that's something to be thankful for right there? We can open up the Word of God. We can click on it. We can look at our YouVersion Bible app in the morning, and we can have a devotional life. They didn't have the, all they had was the stories that were brought to their ancestors. And if I had time to read the entire chapter of Nehemiah chapter 8, we just plucked that little verse out of there. Where he says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And let me tell you something. If you don't have joy and you don't have peace, it's because you're not in right standing with God. I'm telling you, a miserable Christian is someone who claims to know Jesus with their lips, but they deny Him with their life. It's an attitude of gratitude, of thanksgiving. I know I said this last week, and in closing, listen, I have been in places in this world that have so much less than we do in this country. You talk about plagues and viruses. You ever been to Haiti before? Kenya, Africa. I talked about this last week, but well, you left like Manhattan and this, you know, all the, the, all the prosperity of New York City. And these towering edifices built, these skyscrapers, and you land in Nairobi, Africa, and you, only, and you get in a, in, a, in a little van, you get your luggage, and you get out there on the, on, in the bush, and you see that in these little villages, there's garbage strewn on both sides because they don't have a waste management system. We just start there you realize that people are walking as their main, uh, you know, means of transportation. They don't have vehicles like you and I do. They, they're, they're right, thank you. No shoes on their feet. I mean, and so when you get in these places, it, it, it reminds you that we've been so blessed in our lives to the point that if we're, if we're honest, so many of us are just spoiled rotten. And things do not make us joyful. Things, I found, actually can make us even more stressed, lack of peace. My wife and I, the other night, went to a little lake up the line here, 
about a half hour, it's a little mountain lake. And we woke up, you know, we've been married going on 32 years. Praise God. How many know she married way over her head? Amen? Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Two people got that joke. The rest of you. How many know I married over my head? Amen. 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 Praise God. But we woke up at this lake, and I had no cell phone service there. And I was just looking at that water, and I was looking at it, Sister Bonnie, it was just like a, Brother Steve, just like a, a mirror, you know, the trees and like a sheet of glass. And I was watching the sun come up over those pretty hills and thinking to myself, I feel so at peace right now in my life. How about you? Think about it, folks. No matter what happens out there, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's what Paul said. He was in chains when he wrote that. He wasn't upset that the election didn't go his way. He wasn't upset about all of the bad news or the fake news or whatever you want to call it. But to be at peace with God, to have joy in the Lord, that's what gives us strength. Amen? And so let me, let me just say this to you in closing. You've got to learn to laugh more. The Bible says a merry heart is like medicine for the soul. Do you laugh during the week? Amen. Amen. Just look in the mirror. You'll get a great chuckle out of that, okay? How many know it's good for us to laugh? It, the Bible says, Proverbs 17, 22, it's like medicine for the soul. When's the last time you had a really good belly laugh? I mean, you just laugh so hard, right? This morning, amen, amen, you're here. So think about it, folks. Go home and laugh. I know it sounds crazy, but some of us are just way too serious. We're serious as a heart attack. And it's just like when people are interceding. Listen, there's a place for intercession and prayer, okay? But some people are always burdened. I got such a burden. I am so burdened. Let me tell you something. That's not even biblical. Your joy has to be maintained no matter what happens out there. The joy of the Lord is my absolute strength. You know what it's like to be sick and have no health? Like when somebody's sick, you know, I've been sick very few times in my life, but I mean like, you know, like you're flat on your back, okay, and you have no strength whatsoever. That's what a Christian is like that doesn't have joy. I got to call up so-and-so because I got a problem. I got a problem. I got a problem. They need to do this. They need to do this. Let me tell you something. Most problems people bring on themselves with their own stupid mouth. I better get done. It's true. <laughs> you met anybody like that? They talk and talk and talk from the time they get up. And it's like, why don't you just be quiet and listen for the still small voice of the Holy Spirit? And then you won't have to call everybody on the phone and get them all upset. <laughs> I am Pastor Terry, and I approve this message. <laughs> Worship team, come back. Praise God. <laughs> as the worship team comes back. Yeah, how I many? Uh, it's true. Think about it. Your words, James, if you need to rest, read the book of James. They're like a rudder on a ship. You could, you know, you could, you could go across that mirror image of that lake like I just talked about, or you could head off into, you know, the storm winds of life. By what? Not by what anybody else does, by what your mouth is doing. The tongue. The Bible says it sets a forest on fire. Do you realize that the word is anhedonia, by the way? Those of you that 
in the Greek, anadona, it literally means, listen, two words, ana, without, donia, joy, without joy. You don't have joy, you have no strength. You may look good on the outside, but you're dying on the inside. And here's the good news. You have a choice to rejoice. It's your choice. You say, well, you don't know about so-and-so. They did this. There was an injustice. That's the whole thing. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Be thankful. Be grateful. God has blessed your life. The very fact that you're here this morning. Amen. Norman Cousins, many years ago, and I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. They haven't been raptured. Uh, <laughs> Norman, <laughs> Norman Cousins, many years ago, was diagnosed with uh, stage four pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer, only 20% of people that once they're diagnosed with that live more than 12 months. You can look this up. This is actual fact. He was diagnosed, and he went to the doctor. And just like today, they don't have cures for certain types of cancer other than Jesus heals our bodies. Amen? Amen. Amen. By the way, if you're sick, we'll pray for you today for God to heal your body. And Norman Cousins went to the doctor, and the doctor said, I'm sorry. He looked at him over the diagnosed report, and he said, you have six months to live, Norman. I would, I would tell you to go home, settle your accounts, and prepare to die. And unlike so many other people, he didn't let his mind get into worry. He didn't let it get into fear. How many know that's a natural response, by the way? Yeah. And we start to think, oh my gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die just like... My Aunt Susie did it, and I'm going to start thinking about pain, and, and I'm going to be laid up somewhere. You see, that's our mind. That's the natural response of the natural man who doesn't know Christ. But if you're in right standing with God, Amen. and you have peace, and you have joy, your response should be different. Amen. Amen. You need a personal example of this? I remember when my son, who preached early a service, was bleeding out literally in my wife's arms at nine years old. And in the middle of the night, as we were racing to the hospital, you asked my wife, I kept saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, the devil hates this kind of preaching. He'd rather make sure that your ears are blocked so you don't get a victory in your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So how could you give thanks? The Bible says, give thanks in all things. Not for all things. I'm not thanking God for a sickness. God didn't put the sickness on him. But I'm thanking God. And let me tell you something. That situation turned around. It was one of many miracles that we've seen in our lives. We lived our entire life by miracles. And really, you have too. If you, if you can hear what the Spirit is trying to say to you today through faith. Amen. You've got to receive this by faith. It's not natural to act that way. In fact, people who flow in a natural realm, they say, oh, man, that's just crazy. No, let me tell you something. We're not crazy. The world is. If that's normal out there, call me crazy. This is normal to operate in faith. Come on, someone. To flow in peace that passes all understanding. It transcends your bank account. It transcends your marital relational status and your family and whatever else you might be going through today. Mormon cousins, you know what he did? (laughs) 
he, he didn't go home to die. He checked himself into a, a hotel. And for about six weeks straight, he watched every comedy that he could possibly find. Back then, it was like Laurel and Hardy and the Three Stooges. How many know there was, there was this thing called comedy that you used to be able to watch in America that you didn't have to repent after you watched it? It was funny. and It was clean. Lucille Ball. Amen. Amen. I got a, I got a, a message <laughs> this past week from somebody who's been watching the broadcast. And they said, man, please tell Pastor Terry, thank you. Because in the wee hours on antenna, there's not a lot on. But he makes me laugh as much as Lucille Ball made me laugh back in the day. Can you say praise God? Amen. See the smile? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Dr. Norman Cousins went, checked out of that hotel room. He lived for another 40 plus years. In fact, he just died last year. And he wrote all the books on how laughter and joy is a healing agent that's released in our body when we stop our stinking thinking and our rotten complaining that nobody wants to hear, by the way. They really don't. And it does you no good anyway to complain about it, especially things you have no control over. But start to laugh. Just start to laugh. Say, thank you, Lord. I remember the worst thing that I, I mean, I'm telling you, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, Lord. Is this okay? Go for it. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. I remember the worst thing I went through in this church it was about 12 years ago. And I don't know what it was. It was something crazy. I thought it was going to be the death of me. I didn't even know I was going to make it through the other side of the thing. Yeah. How many know people can run you right through the ringer, man? walk out on you. We should never be surprised when somebody walks out. They walked out on Jesus too. You're in good company. And I remember crying and bawling and calling and all the stuff that you wouldn't expect the pastor would do, but I'm human just like you. It's real. And one Saturday morning, I came in here like I do every Saturday to pray when there's nobody here. It's nice and early. And I sat somewhere around here and with the lights off and after I prayed Linda, worship Jessica Chris Brother Gary I sat right here and I started to laugh and I started to laugh myself well again you ever been there? Does this make sense to anybody? I, I, maybe I'm just preaching to a couple of y'all I started to laugh and before I know it it was like uncontrollable joy was coming up in me. And I'm telling you, folks, I'm telling you what God is my witness. That situation and them people, whatever, 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 I'm not perfect. Nobody bats a thousand. I made lots of mistakes. And guess what? So did you. Amen. And so did the sanctified looking person sitting next to you. But you know what? I understood that when I applied the scripture, not just said, the joy of the Lord's my strength, and I'm still walking around like depressed or getting angry about stuff I can't control. I started to laugh. I literally could feel the pressure and this demonic gravitational pull on my being. Let me tell you something. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When you're depressed and you just talk about your aches and pains all the time and you talk about everything that's wrong in the world and oh my gosh, the numbers are skyrocketing. What are we going to do? We can't even have Christmas now. Let me tell you something. All you're doing is playing right into the trap of the devil for your life. That's exactly what you're doing. 
and, and, and I'm saying, I'm preaching to myself, I've done the same things. And in that season of darkness in my life, and I've never been depressed, but I'm telling you, that was something that was a sign straight from hell for this. Because how many know, the Bible says, you know, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And that's why there's a, like a bullseye painted on the, on the chest of a pastor of any congregation. The larger the congregation, the larger the target. You know, you see what I'm trying to say? But when I started to laugh and I started to lift my hands, the more I laughed, the stronger I could feel the spirit man welling up in me. And I stood to my feet and I said, it is over. And I'm telling you, I've never gone back to that. If you receive that, clap those hands. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of yourself listening and tag us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God. We'll see you next time. And remember, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.